0: Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight five. This is the Wesson Walker Show.
2: Even the crowd knows what's coming next.
0: Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hopefully you are finding a way to experience some joy in this awful rainy day. It's supposedly supposedly not... have some sunshine at all today hopefully it is able to clear up but it's always the worst we're going to try to do our best to provide some sunshine on wesson walker here from 12 to 3 p.m. on WFNZ. The Kyle Bailey Show is going to be on right after that from 3 to 6 p.m. No Hornets game tonight. They had two in a row that you could have caught right here on 92.7 FM. The Hornets lose to the Phoenix Suns. We'll get to that. But we have plenty of coaching search updates. And really, there's been something within the last couple of hours developing, and that is surrounding the candidacy of one Frank Reich, who is granted a second interview with the Carolina Panthers alongside Steve Wilkes as well. So let's jump right into it. We pulled up to the scene. Let's open up the doors and get off the bus.
2: We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! Kick it! I can feel it.
0: Multiple people reporting that Frank Reich, Steve Wilkes, both presented very well during the initial round of interviews. They have both been granted second interviews. Joe Person confirmed that with Frank Reich. We've seen Sheena Quick also talking about it, Mike Kay of the Charlotte Observer. I'm just trying to cover my bases as far as everybody who, I don't know who reported it first. I just know that we do have that news kind of coming out within the last hour or two. Frank Reich, the most interesting name here, Wes, because it's it's somebody we haven't talked about a lot mm-hmm. but he's always been in the mix i think mostly when we reference his name we like the idea of steve wilks being the head coach and frank reich coming in as the offensive coordinator but what would you say if frank reich ended up getting this job as the head coach of the carolina panthers
2: well like we talk about with his nfl experience 26 years of that to be exact uh you know he coached peyton manning he's really good with quarterbacks peyton manning He's good with quarterbacks, Um, so I wouldn't be upset about it. Um, A lot of coaches get second chances. I'm not always thrilled with it, but I think that Reich uh, could do a good job. I think he's more than capable of doing so. So the thing about
0: Frank Reich with the Colts is that Chris Ballard never invested in a first-round QB, and... If they would have, then maybe you would have had that time under Frank Reich to have that tutelage, and it would have been going swimmingly by now, but it just hasn't. They did the whole one QB thing every single year. Frank Reich Dumbass. was the head coach. It was really hard to develop any chemistry, right? You have, I believe, one year with Andrew Luck, and then Andrew Luck does the surprising retired thing. Then you go after all these veterans. Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. You have to change quarterbacks every single season. I forgot about Jacoby Brissett, who I believe was the bridge from Andrew Luck to um, to Phillip Rivers. And so when you're talking about all the quarterback change, and then the offensive line experiences some injuries, and you're dealing with all of this turnover, that's got to be tough. I like the offensive philosophy. There's some decision-making stuff from Frank Reich that I wasn't a huge fan of, but it seems like players do like him as a head coach. He did have the close relationship with Carson Wentz. A lot of that was faith-based, based based off their time with Philadelphia, and then as that transitioned to Indianapolis. But I do think Frank Reich would be somebody that I'd be okay with. I'd like for him. This is someone that I wouldn't mind recycling through and usually I just want to go with the the new hire and I don't like recycling head coaches where it didn't work out at previous stints but there are plenty of excuses as to why it might not have worked out with the Colts and I'd be willing to see what it would go like with him having a second shot
2: well the thing is the biggest endorsement I feel like that he has is the fact that when he did get fired there were a lot of people upset and you didn't really hear anybody saying that he deserved to be fired and mm-hmm. I think that's a big endorsement for him when you talk about retreads and how that can annoy me at times but a lot of people were saying that he caught a raw deal as far as with his stint with the coach so I wouldn't mind him either it's just surprising to me that he has emerged as a guy that the Panthers seem to be coveting at this point.
0: Yeah, and so Twitter Chris writes in Give me Reich as head coach, Wilkes as a highly paid DC or top assistant. I just don't know if Steve Wilkes is going to go for that. I don't know if we've gotten any clarity on how receptive Steve Wilkes would be to being a top paid defensive coordinator, top paid assistant, anything like that. Plus, if you're talking about him already being further down the chain of top options for David Tepper, Ben Ben Johnson being number one, gone. Sean Payton, you don't want to give up all the assets, but clearly he would be a top option over Steve Wilkes. And then Frank Reich becomes that guy, and you're just the fourth option when it's all said and done. That not look good for Steve Wilkes, if you're asking me, Wes. Like, it just seems the more names that gain a lot of traction, even with there being reports about Steve Wilkes, impressing in his initial interview. He's going to get the second interview with all these other names. To me, it feels like there's some real gas there where with Steve Wilkes, it might just be the, hey, we'll do you solid because you went 500 after Matt Rule was fired.
2: Yeah, and I'm not sure that he would necessarily leave. I think the players will really do their damnedest to try to convince him to stay. I think the fact that he's the hometown guy. I also think the fact that he has a defense that has some potential so he could look at and say, well, you know, if I stay here and I'm the D.C., I have a unit that could really make some noise, and maybe I could end up getting a head coaching job elsewhere in the next coaching cycle if I do a good enough job with this unit.
0: Yeah, I, I would be very interested, and I have zero clue if – This is the case where you're just giving Steve Wilkes, uh, not a favor, but you're doing him a solid even though he's not your number one option compared to some of these other candidates at the same time. You're just not hearing nearly as much about him because I guess you just don't have as much intrigue because we do have some other of these new faces that could be the next head coach of the Carolina Panthers let's move on to the Charlotte Hornets they lose to the Phoenix Suns last night it's not a surprising game where you did see them lose but this was a a chance for them to maybe come out and get a victory because they didn't have DeAndre Ayton they didn't have Devin Booker problem is the Hornets are still dealing with a ton of injuries no Gordon Hayward No Cody Martin. No Kelly Ubray. I mean, Gordon is even a guy that woke up sore because that's just how it is with Gordon Hayward at this (laughs) point. Um, Got beat down again. I think the main story, though, is Mark Williams not getting any minutes. Come on, man! Yeah, I'm not a a fan. I know what Steve Clifford is doing. He told us um, the second game against Boston after that contest was complete that he's not going to go a significant stretch of time without giving Nick Richards or Mark Williams any run. So now it's just Nick Richards turn at the same time Mark Williams is out there being a beast and he's sitting on the pine i i maybe you're trying to salvage some trade value for Nick Richards i i could see that like there are some ways to make this make sense but i i still Ow! want to find joy and I want to do that through watching the first round pick continue to ball, and we didn't see that last year. Yeah,
2: time. if there's been a negative on coach all season for me, I think this would definitely be at the top of the list. The fact that you have a first round pick, a guy that's really showing a lot of promise, and then you try to stifle his rhythm. And not saying that's what he's doing, but just stifling his rhythm by giving him DMPs. It's like, come on, man. That kid's balling. He's your first round pick. He's one of the future fixtures of this franchise. You gotta give him run, man. You can't just let him get in there and get a taste of it and then sit him back down.
0: Yeah, and Steve Clifford said it's not fair to either one of these guys, Nick Richards or Mark Williams, but at the same point, I don't know what Nick Richards does a ton better than Mark Williams at this point. Offensive rebounding is the only thing I can think of, and he's a great offensive rebounder. Uh, according to you know all the other centers, right, if you look at him compared to all the other big guys in the NBA, his offensive rebounding is excellent. But defensively, I'm taking Mark Williams. Even on the perimeter, I'm taking Mark Williams. I am think offensively, there's a better touch. You see him rim run, you see him run the floor a lot better than Nick, and so at that point, if he's the better player, he's the younger guy, then allow him to go out there on the court and start to develop some chemistry with some of the guys that you might think could be a foundation of the franchise moving forward. That's the that's the way I see it with these two big
2: guys. Yeah, in a way Nick Richards, you know, most of the season he was one of the league leaders in double-doubles off the bench, but it's taken him a while to get to that. He's been in the league for a little bit. With Mark Williams, you see rapid development, and so that's the thing that I'm— Mm -hmm. surprised and most disappointed that they're not playing him because every time he gets in the game it seems like good things happen so you want to see more of that. I, I'm, I'm hoping it's the second night of a back-to-back thing,
0: even with Mark Williams being young, even with him not having a whole lot of minutes this year. I'm hoping that you're just trying to give Nick Richards a chance, second night of a back-to-back, and then we see Mark enter the fold once again. And, and if, even if it's not the next game, I mean, I, Mark is going to play in, in a few outings, right? It, it's not like the biggest problem in the world. It's just a little frustrating not to be able to see your first-round pick playing so well um, get out there on the floor. We have a couple- couple of texts to go to the garage door guru text line 704-570-9610 twitter chris says i like Plumlee. surprising right but trade that guy and give your youngin some run i think that's exactly how we all feel surprised that i like mason Plumlee. he's been playing well but we want to trade him because we know he's not a part of the future and we want to give mark williams some run and taylor d wrote in are they ever going to trade Plumlee? knowing the hornets the answer is no um, I don't know what kind of value they'd get, but that that seems to be the piece on the roster now that would be most likely to get 100% on the dollar of all the guys that you'd be willing to trade. You're not getting that with Terry Rogier. You're not getting that with Gordon Hayward not even Kelly Ubrey because the injury and the rental that he would be on a non-guaranteed contract. Mason seems like that guy that you could get the most in return as far as what his value would dictate.
2: Yeah, I think that the only thing that will hurt Mason and the only thing that may hurt that value is just defensively because I think a lot of the contenders that would want to maybe bring on a big like that will want some type of defensive presence because if they're a contending team more than likely they have all the scoring taken care of Mm -hmm. so they're like okay you know we know you've been getting buckets 20 point double doubles we don't need you for that we really want you to come in hit the glass and give us a good defensive presence down low Mm -hmm. so that may hurt his value a little bit as far as with contenders wanting to trade for him uh but other than that it will still be interesting to see he's playing a really high level offensively yeah and his free throws have improved as well crazy markedly so That will get him, that will fetch a little bit of something. If he was young and
0: you consider this a breakout year, then Correct. correct people would be I mean you wouldn't trade him I guess but the fact that he's on the fact that he's over 30 and now you're starting to see him perform it would make sense for the Hornets to trade him but you really got to think he can provide some help for a contender 704 number sooner Mike he writes in I really think you guys overrated talent on the Carolina Panthers bringing it back to the NFL besides Burns and DJ Moore what player would an NFL team want to trade for on this roster give up picks for Payton set this team back for five years and then we'll see exactly what Sean Payton can do with this roster um, drafting some new talent in here what do you think about going back to the Carolina Panthers combo um, with, with the talent that they have and then maybe pairing that with Sean Payton giving up some picks in the process
2: I'm trying to figure out what he's saying. Besides he's- Burns and
0: DJ Moore, what player would an NFL team want to trade for on this roster? Yeah, I don't know. It's saying- JC Horn. Oh, he's saying don't go after Sean Payton. Okay. He's saying don't go after Yeah, so don't do that because you would set this team back for five years, not using that for talent. So that's what he's saying. What do you have to say to Sooner Mike?
2: Yeah, I disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, as I've said, I think a head coach is very important. Not as important as Fiddy does, but I think he's still a very important piece of your franchise, and I think when you have a Get, have the chance to get a guy the caliber of a Sean Payton, you need to go get him. Like I said, first round picks are crap shoes. You'll have plenty mm-hmm. of that and the Panthers have a lot of cap space around $40 million to be exact, if I'm not mistaken, so they can fix some of those holes.
0: Biddy, you said J.C. Horn. How many other guys do you feel like would be per- pursued? Because it's, for me, I think, yeah, those are the stars that he's bringing up in D.J. Moore and Brian Burns. I still value the draft picks. We've mm-hmm. debated that quite a bit, but I, I do think that there is enough talent to where you can have, it's not this forever turnaround. It's not gonna take two, three, four, five, it's not gonna take. You know, going further and further the LeBron James thing—not one, not two, not three, right? Like I think it can be towards the bottom end was of that. Titles that or losses in the finals? <laughs> that, was, mm-hmm. that was titles, is what he was going for. <laughs> but he had a couple <laughs> losses in the finals. But you're kind of with me on that. Like it's not going to take forever.
1: Yeah, no, because I think it? there's I think there's a lot of talent. I think there's, I think there's enough talent here for this job to be desirable because you got J.C. Horn, Iki Ikwenu. I think you know exceeded all of our expectations as a rookie left tackle. You look at what Derrick Brown became, you know, in the middle part of the season and <laughs> the, in, in the interior of that Panthers defensive line. So yeah, there's more than just Burns and DJ Moore here there. There's enough talent here to where you could justify not giving up your assets. Cause if you, if you hit the draft, you could build a t- a, a playoff team year in, year out.
0: You made a sound at Aquanu And We're going to talk about the rookie class. So I I mentioned it the other day, but we're going to get to it today as far as the rookie class. ESPN ranked Carolina's rookie class as the least performing of all groups of first-year players in – any, uh, for any team in the NFL, 32 out of 32. And I did think Icky had a pretty good year. We can dissect him a little bit later on in the show. I do want to switch gears um, and go back to the Frank Reich buzz that is soaring surrounding the Carolina Panthers right now, getting a second interview. Sam Farber also going to be joining us at 1230 to discuss the game last night. The Hornets played against the Suns. Mark Williams, some of the young guys leading up to the trade deadline. We'll get to all of that in just a moment. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 FM it's wesson walker sports radio 92 7 wfnz we'll keep you updated on charlotte hornet's trade rumors about we have deal or no deal coming up at 145 i'm going to give you some of the deals that are out there circulating on social media, you can tell me if you would pull the trigger on that trade proposal or not. We'll get to some college basketball conversation in just a moment, but we still have to talk about the coaching search for the Carolina Panthers. We'll have our ranking of surprise level for each of the guys that are included in the list of nine candidates right now. But Frank Bu- or Frank Reich, the buzz is soaring for him. Getting a second interview, Steve Wilkes, got a second interview on Tuesday. So now you have two interviews for him at the moment. Mm-hmm. And these are two, you know, coaching candidates that people, um you know, are, are looking at this week, first and foremost, before you get to see some of these other guys, maybe get second interviews themselves. Now you did have, um, I'm trying to look at the text message here. Beard Estate wrote in, yay, let's get a coach that vouchs for Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan. And, and we can get those guys to come in and fix our QB woes. And, you know, Frank Reich did vouch for Carson Wentz. You know, somebody that he did work with in Philadelphia did have an MVP stretch before Nick Foles comes in and actually wins the Super Bowl. And I understand that you don't want a coach to vouch for quarterbacks that don't end up working out for the organization. But at the same time, I think with Matt Ryan, as much as I don't believe in him being a guy that can do the Tom Brady thing, have the twilight career. I did think that he was okay the year prior. I thought that was going to be a good move. Yeah, for the Colts. and I thought
2: I did too. I'm in the same boat. So a lot of people have hindsight 50 50 because I thought that Matt Ryan was going to be a guy. I didn't necessarily see Super Bowl right. championship for them. But I thought, okay, here's a guy that they can get that's going to give them stability. That's uh-huh. what I thought Matt Ryan was going to bring.
0: Yeah, and the offensive line was in complete shambles. It was it was actually a complete 180 with what the Colts experienced. They thought they were going to be among the best, and actually the O-line was among the very worst in the entire NFL. Quentin Nelson, who had given up something like five awesome. sacks through his, through his first four seasons in the league, he gave up that many in just one season this year. And I don't necessarily think that's because he's a worse player, but the situation around him. Is not nearly as good as it once was. So I think a lot of things were working against the Colts. But to to Beard Estate's credit, I, I I do understand that notion. You did vouch for Carson Wentz. There were reports coming out that you know Frank Reich apologized to Jim Ursay for saying you know I'm I'm sorry I, I I told you Carson Wentz could be the guy and he wasn't. And then eventually they move on from him. And of course it doesn't work out with Washington. Do you trust Frank Reich? if you have a young quarterback or a quarterback you hope is the franchise in place because to me, I still feel like there can be some good work done between the two, whoever that young QB is, but I understand some of the people being a little scared and skeptical of that because of how it did not work out with any of the veterans they brought
2: in. Uh, no, that that doesn't deter me at all as far as Frank right? because like I said, the success that he had had with Carson Wentz prior, people have to understand these coaches have egos, okay? Mm-hmm. And these coaches are this good at what football. they do. They're professionals for a reason. And so a guy like him, he's going to look at that. He's going to see the things that he was doing wrong at the previous stop without him. And he's going to say, oh, I can coach that out of him. When I was with him, we had this much success. Also, you're acting like the coach had a ton uh, of options when they did make those moves. They they went after the guys that they could get and they got them in hopes that they could bring some stability, not to mention the injuries to Jonathan Taylor killed him as well. He was banged up all season long as well. And he was supposed to have a monstrous season this year. So I thought that that set them back as well. It was just a disaster all the way around. Uh, but no, just him believing in certain quarterbacks and bringing them in that man, that doesn't determine at all because you've seen success that he did have a Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz had his best years with him. You saw what he did with Peyton Manning and granted Peyton as a sheriff, he would have been great no matter who he got, but he still had some great years with Reich as well. So I do trust his um coaching acumen when you talk about when it comes to quarterbacks. Not to mention, you know, he was one of the better backups in the league during my lifetime. So, um yeah, that doesn't deter me at all from him.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you look at Frank Reich was the OC with San Diego in 2014 and 2015. Then he goes to Philadelphia in 2016 and 2017 as the OC. And so you're dealing with Philip Rivers, you're dealing with Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. And then you deal with Philip and Jacoby and we went all all already through that entire process. And so, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been weird to just not have stability for him. I, I just, I would love to see what he could do with some stability and maybe that's a science experiment. You don't want, taking place in your backyard and I understand that right like I I just want to see Frank Reich with some stability to see what would happen with a quarterback that was there for literally longer than one season but we haven't seen that there yet and um, not
2: to mention what he did with Nick Foles in the Super Bowl yeah, th- right
0: and that was the most remarkable run we had seen yeah. from a QB who played better than the goat in the championship are you kidding me I mean what a magical performance that we don't have to expect but the fact that that happened on Frank Reich's watch, maybe that uh, it tells you something. Now, we are getting some text in, too, about Kellen Moore. And you see the tweet coming out. I mean, Wes, it was right as we started the show. Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network tweeted that Kellen Moore, who interviewed yesterday, is still in Carolina today for another look and some more info. Mm. So Steve Wilkes, Frank Reich, now Kellen Moore getting second interviews For me, Kellen Moore is at the bottom of the list. He is number three, if you are including the guys that we have confirmed um, who have gotten second interviews or second looks. How would you rank those three as far as who you would like to be the head coach with Steve Wilkes, Frank Reich, and Kellen Moore, who again, Ian Rappaport says, is still in Carolina today?
2: I'd put Kellen Moore at the bottom of the list and then go, oh, you put me in a corner with Steve Wilkes and Frank (laughs) (laughs) Reich. Yeah. Sneaky. Oh, that's hard, man. Um... I'll tell you who I'd go with. Over and then Frank can, Reich. I'm gonna go with Steve Wilkes one, Frank Reich two. I agree. That's yeah, exactly what I'm I'll go with role. that. Um but when you talk about Kelly Moore, a lot of people it's still what was the last thing that you saw from him and the last thing you saw was that ugly play from Dallas. But to me It might not have been his brightest moment as a coach, but you still can't take away from the fact that this Dallas offense was one of the highest scoring since I believe it was like week four. Mm -hmm. Um, This was a high-powered offense. They've done a lot of good things under him. He can't help that going out there making bad decisions. That's not his fault. He can't help the fact that Jerry's still keeping Ezekiel Elliott around, and I know that it's mostly Jerry's call to start him over Tony Pollard. I mean, Ezekiel is not the same back that he once was. We know this, but I think – partially one of the reasons they keep him in too is a of his pass protection is really really good and he can still get you some yardage but this is not the Ezekiel Elliott show but I'm just saying that I'm not going to hold that against Keller Moore I think he's done a lot of good things in his tenure in Dallas I think that he's playing with a quarterback that you know and Dak Prescott that just isn't what Cowboys fans want him to be and uh you know some of the flash that he's shown I think there's some of the bad is just going to be a part of it with him so would I be completely shocked if he got the job? Not really. I mean, I feel like he's done a lot of good, there, and I feel mm-hmm. like he's paid his dues as a coach.
0: Yeah, if, For me, I, I said it yesterday, the vibe I get from Kellen Moore is that he is a good coordinator and I don't necessarily want him being my head coach. And maybe he gets a shot. In fact, I'd, I'd venture a guess and say that he does get a shot at some point in his career as a coach to be the hc somewhere but he's been the offensive coordinator since 2019 so he has four completed years they finished first in yards in 2019 17 um tw- excuse me 2020 they finished 14 first again in 2021 and fourth this past season that's and what i'm saying yeah that's a that resume been...
2: to me that you've earned an opportunity
0: they also invested heavily fantastic offensive line for a while right dac prescott is at least at the very least, a very good regular season NFL quarterback that hasn't really had a ton of interceptions throughout his career until this season, the turnovers became a problem. So I do like the work he's done. I wouldn't be crazy angry, but I'd rather go with some of the other choices on the board here. 704 Feel free to text in, give your thoughts on the Carolina Panthers coaching search, but we'll head over to the Body Works Plus guest hotline and welcome Sam Farber, Charlotte Hornets play-by-play announcer. You heard him on the call last night as the Hornets, unfortunately, suffer a loss to the Phoenix Suns, 128-97. to Sam, are you happy to be coming home after this four-game road trip?
3: It is great to be home. We, we've we been road warriors for a long time. This wrapped up a stretch of 14 of the last 20 games that have been on the road. And uh, even though the next two are inside the Hive, five of the next eight are also on the road. So we're not quite done yet, but it's good to be back for a moment.
0: Well, and Sam, maybe it's hard to grade what the Hornets did this road trip, but they went 2-2. Two and two. They beat the Houston Rockets on the road. They beat the Atlanta Hawks on the road and held on right at the very end of that game. The two hardest games of this road trip, they lost. They lost to Utah, then the second night of a back-to-back. They go down to the Phoenix Suns. How would you characterize this four-game road trip they just concluded?
3: I think overall it's positive. Anytime you go 500 on the road, whether your team has been playing well or been playing poorly, whether you are at full strength or have had a lot of injuries, it doesn't matter. The NBA is difficult, so being a 500 team on the road is always a goal Uh, No matter how good you are, you can't look at that and call it a disappointment. Uh, And considering all the injuries the Hornets continue to go through, I I think it becomes even more of a positive here for Buzz City. So I I like the way that they played over the course of the four games. Would have preferred they didn't have to dig themselves out of double-digit deficits each and every game. But the fact that they managed to do it twice I think is a positive.
0: All the injuries rearing its head once again. Gordon Hayward did not go in this game. We know about Kelly Oubre, Cody Martin, some of the other guys that did not suit up. How are you seeing this team try to galvanize as they suffer some of these injuries and get through what is a tough stretch of the season before the trade deadline? They have all the rumors circulating about them. How have you seen the morale in the locker room despite some of the awful things that have happened this season?
3: Yeah, I think it's pretty good. And I think Coach Steve Clifford had good comments on it after the game. He, he keeps getting asked, you know, what do you think about your team? You know, and, and putting it, tra- people trying to put in the context of like, Hey, you guys aren't very good. And he fights right back to, Hey, we're pretty beat up and have been consistently the whole season. I, I can't remember a game where Charlotte didn't have at least two preseason projected rotation players on the bench in street clothes. And most teams can't overcome that for, a week or two worth of time the Hornets have had that the entire season so I think it's a little unfair to, to look at the team talent wise and make assumptions or estimations because last season with basically uh, the same or a similar roster Charlotte was above 500 team dealt with some injuries then but not nearly to the level of this season and this year clearly the, the bottom fell out of the uh, injury luck bag uh, because the Hornets have had none this year.
2: Sam West Bryan here, and I was going to ask you: Is that what you would attribute the shooting to in the Jazz game? They shoot twelve percent. The Suns game last night, they shoot twenty-four percent. Is this a team that's just simply running out of gas with all the injuries?
3: Well, I think with the, the Utah game, it's just an anomaly. I mean, it, it just doesn't happen. I looked it up, um, and we were, you know, kind of playing a game. You know, guess how many players in the NBA on Monday night made at least two three-pointers. Uh, the number was 53, so it, it's, a, it's a total outlier for a team to shoot that poorly, and you, you tip your cap to Utah um, because they played pretty good perimeter defense, but quite frankly, these guys are so good, you could blindfold them, put them in half court, and tell them to take ten shots. They might make two of them. They're, they're that good. They know their range that well, um, so it, I, I think it was just a total anomaly, but you're correct. Over the course of the season, Charlotte has not been a very good shooting Team And I do attribute a lot of that to injury because it's hard to get into a consistent rhythm when your role is constantly changing based off who else is available in terms of personnel. And then just the fact that LaMelo Ball is not the person hitting you, you know, right between the numbers in rhythm for every jump shot. Outside of the 22 games he's been available, I mean, we're talking about what, 50, 60% of the season so far that LaMelo has unfortunately missed. That makes it harder to shoot consistently when you don't have one of the premier passers delivering the Rock.
2: And then what's been in your assessment of, of of Terry and his play? Because he's been really holding things down for them uh, during this road trip. He's been putting up some big scoring numbers, especially uh, in the two wins that they had. What do you think uh, about his play and his shooting numbers kind of came down as the road trip came to a close? Do you think just the minutes and all that Terry has to do for this team catches up to him?
3: I'm not sure if it's the minutes per se, but I think the focus of the defense. You know, most teams have two or three options for multiple reasons because outside of Kevin Durant and Shaq and Michael Jordan and LeBron, you know, there's very few players who you could say, all right, everyone's going to focus on them, and they're still going to get 30 against you. Most teams have all-star or all-star adjacent level talent, and there's two or three of them so that you can't focus everything on them because they'll deliver the ball to the other guy, and that person will make you pay. Well, when Gordon Hayward's out and LaMelo Ball's out and Kelly Oubre is out, all of a sudden a lot more of that focus falls on Terry Rozier. And to his credit, he continues to score at a career-high level, But the shooting percentages have come down, and I think that's because of the quality of shots that just aren't there for him because he has to go one-on-one or one-on-two so often throughout this
0: season. Sam, we all know that there's a lot of things that have not gone the Hornets' way this year. One thing I would argue has, though, is their second-round pick, 40th overall selection, Bryce McGowan's got a start, played 22 minutes, not the greatest stat line here in his first start ever as an NBA player, but had been given these minutes because he's earned them in practice, and Steve Clifford has really gone to him. um lately especially with some of the injuries And, and i do think mcgowans has shown a lot of nice flashes as a guy that i can be excited about making a possible jump next year and years beyond we do know the hornets have a good track record with second round picks how excited do you think fans should be about bryce mcgowans and what he can provide for the future
3: very, very easy. young player with a lot of athleticism and talent. The challenge to him, and this is not a knock on him, this is the challenge to him, is prove that it's not just because all these injuries happen that you got thrust in the lineup, but that you're actually ready to take that next step. And that's the thing that Cody Martin and Jalen McDaniels were able to do. It's one thing to get to that spot. It's another to sustain it. And he's a very young guy. There's a lot of runway in front of him to continue to do that over over the course of his career but here's an opportunity and he had an okay game against phoenix can he have a really good one if the opportunity presents itself again here over the course of this homestand that's the challenge to every young player uh and just because you don't hit it on your first opportunity doesn't mean it's not going to come knocking again later but it would be great to see bryce mcgowan take another step forward here as he's gotten his first start in the nba
2: And lastly, Sam, just talking about P.J. Washington, he goes 16 and 23 in the wins over Houston and Atlanta and then nine points and three points in Utah and Phoenix. And I mean, that's such a stark contrast. What do you think it's going to take for P.J. just to maintain some consistency to where we don't see these single digit scoring games after the times where he can show so much promise?
3: Yeah, he's another one where you know the the consistency factor if if he reaches that level we're talking about a guy who's basically averaging 18 to 20 points per game. Um and and there have been those fluctuations. I do think he has been hurt tremendously by having his role come up and down. It goes from him being the fourth or fifth guy on the floor in terms of, you know, hey, you can hang out in the corner and spot up. LaMelo or Terry or Gordon will find you to okay, now we need you to have the ball in your hands and create off the dribble all the time because those three guys are not available on the floor. And that's a very difficult transition to make, game in and game out. But I think his shooting percentages are still really, really strong, and that's the focal point. We, you know, we fall in love with certain guys in the NBA because we think they're great three-point shooters. The stats back up that P.J. really is one. He's having his worst three-point shooting season of his career percentage-wise, and I think there are reasons for that but he's still about 36% from deep. That's pretty darn good in the NBA, particularly for a stretch four. So uh, I think P.J. Washington continues to build on the success he's had earlier in his career. If he hits that consistency, though, he goes from being a career-high 15-point-per-game guy to hopefully a career-high 20-point-per-game guy, and wouldn't that be nice in the last two months of the season?
0: The voice of the Charlotte Hornets, Sam Farber, joining us here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can hear him on the call tomorrow night as the Hornets take on the Chicago Bulls. Bulls at the Spectrum Center. Tip is set for 7.30. Sam, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks again.
3: I appreciate you guys. And forget hearing me. Come see me. I missed you all at the Hive. We're finally home for like 30 seconds, so come out and see us. Uh, tomorrow night is twenty three eleven crossover night. Sunday, a matinee at Spectrum Center against Miami. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hope to see you there. Tickets available at Hornets.com.
0: Matinee basketball is the best, and I would advise you do the Steve Bartman thing where you actually go to the sporting event, and then you also listen to the radio broadcast, so you hmm. can go. And then you can have the headphones in and you can listen to Sam Farber on the call and that would be fantastic. So that's what I would advise and appreciate Sam for joining us. Real quick, Fitty Flash, before we move on, Fiddy, what you got for us the first time today?
1: All right, the first thing I want to touch on is LeBron James scored 46 points last night mm-hmm. but, against the Los Angeles Clippers. but um, becoming the fir- or As he's now scored 40 points or more against every NBA team, I got this notification last night from Bleacher Report that said, LeBron drops a 40-burger. He now has 40 against every team in the NBA. Wow. Well, they forgot to tell you the most important part. What's that? Was buddy? that he did so in a losing effort. <laughs> <laughs> that's it.
0: That's the only argument I need, Sean. No doubt about it. The Lakers did lose last night. The Clippers uh, scoring 115 nice. on the Lakers. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We have plenty more LeBron hate. We'll visit the campus corner, too. <laughs> Weston Walker, Sports Radio 927FM.
2: Walker Show. West Brian here. Got my man Walker Mel. My boy Josh Marlowe in the back. Got the Campus Corner music playing so you know that's what it's time for. You can text us on the Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. And you can follow us on Twitter, Wes and Walker Show. Walker, you going to spell it today or what?
0: Yeah, no, I, I feel confident now that I can right, spell it. right, let's see it. what you got. Both spell name? Yours is easy enough. Kay. It's W-E-S-A-N-D-W-A-L-K-E-R.
2: Okay. Okay. Wes and Walker. Yeah, man. Rolling. Check us out. WFNZ social handles as well. You'd be surprised. though. A lot of people put a T on my name at restaurants and stuff when well, they ask me what my order. They say West. Well, oh, the th- no. I, I think, well, th- they mishear it
0: there, but on the text line, I think people got confused when I had the West West y'all in mm. the Dr. Dre song yeah. mashup that yes. I'm not going to say the title to, yes. but then you have that in here <laughs> and then people said, oh, they like, cause they like the intro and I thought mm-hmm. it sounded enough like West West y'all. Mm-hmm. And then, so people said West. And then I was like, all right, we we need to get rid of it because people can't be calling you out here. West.
2: Yeah, so. man. All right. So let's get it cracked.
0: reserved for Kanye.
2: Last night, college basketball, ACC, I was definitely working, cutting highlights for the ACC DN on all platforms. You go check out our great highlights and other content as well. But uh, NC State and Carolina both win last night. NC State got the dub over Notre Dame. These were the two three-point shooting teams of the league as they both are one and two and three-point field goals attempted. It was a good game last night. Jarkel Joyner was on one. Uh, He had 20-plus in the game. They got the dub. But then the game of the night, Carolina and Syracuse in a game that was up and down, topsy-turvy. I know Fiddy was probably about to have a heart attack, (laughs) especially when Syracuse was hitting big shots, but it came up with big defensive plays. R.J. Davis taking some big charges, including a big bow to the face from one of the most asinine plays I've ever seen. As Judah Mintz just drives wildly down the court. Crazy. With 11 seconds left and gets an offensive foul. I'm like, what are you doing, young man? Because I was cheering for Q. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but either way, Carolina gets it. Armando Baycott, another nice game for them. RJ Davis didn't have a huge game, but he still made some huge plays down the stretch, and Caleb Love made some big shots as well. So I'll start with Fitty. Fitty, what did you think about the Hills last night?
1: Best game that Caleb Love has maybe played all season long. It was by far his most efficient four of seven from the field, uh, three of five from behind the three point line. Um, I, I've just come to the realization me and Pete Nance have a love-hate relationship. Oh, but no. I, this game was the epitome of that. Good Lord. No doubt about it. That guy in the first half was borderline useless on the court. <laughs> Did nothing to really do anything in a positive manner. But in the second half, Carolina doesn't win the game without him. But yet it took him missing a free throw to then have Joseph Girard save him a loose ball. And then he gets a layup. I actually actually missed the layup. Walker, if you look to your left or your right, there's a board over here. (laughs) Yes. Hmm. My face was in the board yelling at the missed free throw. So I missed it. Willie P was like, um, Fiddy, they're winning. (laughs) I missed the whole entire play because I was complaining about the missed foul shot. That's who he is, though.
0: He got in the right position, but you're right. The missed foul shot on top of the bad turnover where (sighs) there were times where he would panic in the high post. And right at the free throw line where you dump it into him, it just felt like Armando Baycott was more comfortable in that spot. Despite Pete Nance being a better shooter and he did not make them pay and he should have just shot constantly. But there were times he would. The spin move to his left was excellent. That was after a turnover. Did you turnover. Do that in high school? And, oh, huge spin move. Senior night, baby. Actually, did the same exact move, except yeah. I went to my right. I'm not even kidding about that. That was part of my 23-point performance. Recruit me, Hubert Davis. But Pete Nance was maddening last night on both ends. I, I totally subscribe to what he did and what you thought about
1: it. <sighs> Dude, I was I was losing it, man. But I mean, I, big win because that that. Dude, Syracuse's season was on the line last night. Like, pretty much now, they got to win the, t- the ACC tournament to make the NCAAs. And you got home losses to Colgate and Bryant. To me, and I put this in my yeah. article at Vlog.com, reminded me of our win at Louisville last season.
2: So, Carolina only had four assists Saturday in the NC State game, but they had 20 assists on 26 baskets last night. But let's go back to the RJ Davis play okay that was huge in my opinion that was a championship level play a guy giving himself up for the team making a huge defensive play for his team so I'll come back to you again Biddy was that late game charge that he took a championship play and is Carolina becoming the championship team that we all envisioned?
1: I think so I think they're rounding in the form and in terms of RJ Davis the only way I know how to describe him is the best, is the ultimate compliment from former head coach Roy Williams. He's a tough little nut. That kid makes every tough play you have to make on a basketball court when it, when, when it comes down to winning time. He went and got a rebound between, like, three of Syracuse's tallest players when he's the smallest player on the court, and that's why I just bow down to him. That's why I, say, I never say anything negative about him. If our team had the heart that R.J. Davis had, They'd kick everybody's ass. All
0: right, here, here's the question I have for everybody, though, okay? because it was clearly a foul. It was clearly a foul on Judah Mintz. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. I am not in the business of rewarding players who drive to the basket out of control. It's exactly what Judah Mintz did. But he still didn't mean to. I am not. I don't think anybody thinks that Judah meant to elbow R.J. Davis in the face. I do. Even though, yeah, of course he you do. He plays for Jim Beheim <laughs> Well, it's honestly a really good point, but I still don't, I'm not going to put that on Judah Mintz. Do we have any of this hindsight stuff with the reps not calling the punch against Virginia Tech <laughs> when you see the elbow inadvertently rightfully called, except I don't think that it was, uh, I don't think it was rightfully not called against Virginia Tech when that happened against Duke. Do you see any similarity between the two?
2: Uh, I just think it was a freak accident again. I mean, I'm not going to say, I'm still going to stick with it, stand ten toes on it. I don't think it should be. <laughs> okay, what about you, Fiddy?
1: I'm seeing a bunch of State and Duke whiners complaining about the free throw discrepancy for Carolina in their last two games. Right. Carolina's plus uh, is 62 to 15 in terms of free throws attempted over their opponent play more aggressive, and I think that's what that was. R.J. Davis was playing aggressive, and he put himself in a position to draw that type of foul against a player that was out of control.
0: Carolina attacks the basket. And especially in that zone, they were running high-low the whole time. Like, Pete Nance gets fouled on the baseline to get those free throws, right? Like, and you're talking about Armando being one of the most foul heavy, per- I mean, you know, the guy that gets his fouled as much as anybody. Amon. This is how North Carolina plays. So I don't have any problem with the discrepancy. If you wanted to come at me and say, hey, why didn't Duke get that punch call? I'm here for that. I understand it, and that's what I fought for it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but the foul discrepancy, get out of here with that. This is the way Carolina
2: plays. All right, real quick before we get out of here. Rapid fire, yes or no. I think Armando Baycott is just so dependable. He makes so many big plays. And he just owns the paint. Is he the most dependable player in the ACC? I uh, I think so. All because right. even with the Filipowski, you had that little slump.
0: Plus, he's a freshman, right? You have to rely on the outside shot sometimes. Even the better shooters can go through slumps from the outside. But Armando, he's going to give you 18 points. He's going to shoot at a high efficiency. Eight rebounds. Rebounds is low for him. Mm-hmm. Eight right. is actually a low
1: number. I have no problem saying he's the most. Well,
2: dependable. obviously Walker doesn't understand what rapid fire means. 50, uh, you <laughs> go to it. What
1: do you think? Uh, yes, sir. He is the most dependable player in the ACC. No All analysis.
2: Right. Move on. <laughs> All right. When we get back, we're going to talk about your surprise level for each of the coaching candidates for the Carolina Panthers. It's Weston Walker on WFNZ 92.7 FM.